And Froning still beat Frazier. In his fir- first year. Literally his first year. That's like saying home to me, that's like saying Holmberg beat Froning because he knew how to climb a rope. I mean he did. <laughs> in your face. Holmberg, <laughs> I mean, best CrossFit games athlete. You heard it. There first. it is. You heard it here first. Good morning, Misfits. You are tuning into another episode of the Misfit Podcast. Full Goon Squad is back. Joe. Stop's up. Um, um, that trumpet music, not like Reveille, but the like sad one. Bum, bum, bum. Like that apps. one. Yeah, that. I knew Hunter would knew it. Snack knew chat it. needs taps. I got something that I've been keeping in. I've been holding it in for the podcast. No, you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's not that. It's not that. Oh. It's not that. <laughs> it was hard not to tell you guys when it happened, but I knew for dramatic effect I had to save it. And I fuck, I meant to send you a picture, Ted, but I didn't. Um, I really don't know where we're where yeah. we're at right now. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the other night I unthawed some chicken breast. Turns out they were chicken wings, not chicken breasts. So I'm like, shit, can't cook these tonight. I don't have time. And then I got the idea, like, I'm going to, like, really take the time and do some smoked chicken wings. So the next day, get a marinating, all that good stuff, out to the smoker, two, two and a half hours, looking good. Crank the grill up to 500 to get a little bit of sear. Five minutes or so on one side, flip them. They're perfect. They are perfect. Five minutes on the other side, open the door, start fiddling around. They are perfect. So this is almost three hours of cooking at this point. What do you think happens next? Hank runs across the grill, <laughs> rolls over. The- Cash knocks the grill over. Cash, and knocks, the- Cash knocks the grill over. Uh, By far I mean- the largest grease fire I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> and the wings were on fire. And in my was like, grease oh, fire? they're probably. Talk so the so in, the, in a Traeger, you have a pan. Yeah. That runs across because there's not supposed to be any direct heat. So the pan is there basically blocking the heat so that it, you know, circulates and it's more like a like an oven. Um enough fat had dripped off of those and then just because it had I don't, I don't know, been in there so I don't I don't fucking off know. Of wings? Actually. Wow. Yeah, I mean I had a decent amount of olive oil in the marinade. Oh, okay. But yeah, like right. like a hunter level of olive oil? No. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> just enough. <laughs> So I am standing outside in a snowstorm with tongs that are four inches long made out of metal. <laughs> Burn the fuck out of your hands. <laughs> and yeah, I don't have much hair knuckle knuckles? hair left. Yeah. <laughs> Although with my genetics, I can probably get Wait, knuckle- so did I the fire right when on, you on like open the grill the second time and I, like, whoosh, I like- opened the grill the second time and I started flipping them just to see like, am I done? Am I going to yeah. turn this off? I started flipping them. I was like, okay, we're good. I grabbed the sheet pan to go back. and like picked it up and then just wow. Like I'm talking like four foot flames, yeah. like real shit. <laughs> so I'm trying to get as many wings off as I can, right. but I'm lighting Save my them. hand on fire in the process. Yep. Worth it. There were wings on fire on the cookie sheet. Like once I had pulled them, that's how, cause Maya was like, Oh, what's a little char? Like, it's not that big of a deal. And Maya, they're still on fire. The, she was in the basement. So I was like, char yet. come upstairs, come upstairs. Just take a look Check this shit out and see the char, the over half of them were the color of Sherb's shirt. 
or charred, like, <laughs> like not burnt, like actually completely lit on fire to the yeah. point where they didn't weigh anything. There was like nothing left in it. it you could have just crushed it. Oh, and it would have. It was crazy, and it was so bad that it was funny. I will remember <laughs> you. So I had. It was about. It was about three hours of cooking, and I think I got like six good ones. Drew's just standing outside in underwear, just saluting his Traeger. Just hold on. The photo doesn't do it justice because I didn't really like flip them around. Did you get any? We sat. We so salvage like, any wings. Yeah, I got about six. Um, have, this is just for you, or this, was my eating? Maya doesn't eat chicken. Right no, now. that's. That's a very friendly photo of what happened because the bottom side was. Is that bingas? <laughs> that's after those are the ones you salvaged. No, 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 no. no that's the whole like that's a tray. Yeah. The, oh, what what you can't see is most of the bottom side of I those. That one would be good. <laughs> I would eat that one. <laughs> Me and Cash would split that one. <laughs> and to be honest, even the six that I had, by the time I ate all six of them, the only thing that I could taste was charm mm. as the only flavor fair Just, flavor <laughs> so wow what'd you do so, for dinner yeah, what'd you rebound with what'd you i don't okay. i don't even remember well i mean <laughs> that was already <laughs> on the menu there. i actually don't remember i was so sad i mean i went down into the basement and Start i ate, crying. yeah i don't know <laughs> ate four chicken wings went to bed six minutes later <laughs> i think i might have I was that's, so that's distraught. What I done. That would have been so upsetting. Imagine um, anytime we're on the road and we get our food ordered and then something doesn't show up for somebody and there's like, well, fuck, I guess I'm going to bed then. This sucks. <laughs> fuck, that is what it is. Too. That's exactly like, what happens. You go on the road and you, you, you order food by for someone, everyone. you mean me. Yeah, usually. <laughs> this is just flour and vegetables in a cup. Oh, sorry. We just that happened, a cup of that flour. That happened in Detroit. We had the Detroit gas station dinner. Don't fucking bring that up. I, oh, that was one of the, I looked at the menu Remember for that like egg? eight minutes. The buffalo egg? The orange egg. Oh, God. Thing was as orange as your hat. Wow. Was, it was. It was, was radioactive. It was just a radioactive. Fuck, I just remember landing in Detroit and it being like three thousand percent humidity. It was just the wettest place ever. It was just true. terrible, terrible. And then we had. It to wasn't raining, station. but it was raining yeah. when we walked to that. The gas rain station. was in the air. <laughs> um, speaking of spicy, bright orange foods, one of the best basketball players on earth posted he did a gq 10 essentials video and during that video said that he eats three bags of their chester's hot fries yeah. they're different they're a little different andy's hot fries but yeah um he eats three bags a day he like says real size oh uh, yeah like, like, like a um bag. like a bag a, like a bag not not, not like a not snack pack but size. not the family size okay yeah but he eats 20, he said he's 21 bags a week and that's probably under. And he says he's been eating them since he was five or something. <laughs> and this dude All is. Right. Hold on. Grab your calculator real quick. Let's do the math. <laughs> it was assume he's like 25 years old. He eats three bags a day. 25 times 365 times three. <laughs> he 25 bags a day. He said he eats three bags a day. He's at 153,000 yeah. bags. <laughs> oh my According God. to Sheriff's math. <laughs> How much do they cost? It was like a two ninety nine bag. Yeah, yeah multiply that by three dollars a day. <laughs> Five half a million dollars on, <laughs> on hot fries. I mean, he's in the NBA as an investment. <laughs> um, Long term. This one rings help. true with me. I've been a hot. I was a hot fries kid. Mm. Is it Andy Caps? Is yeah. the brand? I don't. Is is that like a nationwide thing, or is that a New England thing? I moved on at some point to flaming hot Cheetos. Um, <clears throat> 
And I had a I had an incident that I don't know if I've talked about on the podcast before. <laughs> um, session, you're welcome to it. <laughs> yeah. So I was in college and I had hit rock bottom. I was eating flaming hot Cheetos regularly, almost every, every day. meal. <laughs> Every meal, not twenty-one bags a week. And you're either at rock bottom or in the NBA. There was no maybe like four bags a week, somewhere in that range would be my guess. On a bad day, maybe two bags though. And I uh, I went to the bathroom, um, the sitting down kind. (laughs) And when I stood up, the toilet bowl was the brightest red you've ever seen, like ever. So I went to the emergency room because I thought I was dying. <laughs> and the funny part about, well, I guess it's all funny. Never it's mind. It's all funny. It's all funny. It wasn't funny until these things started happening. Um, the doctors were positive that there was a foreign object in my body. Foreign object. And that I had either put it there or it had ended up there by accident. Yeah, you did. So much so <laughs> that they sent multiple people to ask me and one of them closed the curtain and was like, Son, we just need to know like what's going on. Like if you're not going to tell us, we need an X-ray. I'm just like, guys, I promise, <laughs> there's nothing other than flaming hot Cheetos <laughs> in my inside me right now. They're exclusively flaming. So I left, and they it's wanted me to like go see a gastroenterologist, and, a and uh, <laughs> turns out within the period of time from when I went to when I was supposed to have my appointment. I found out on Reddit that if you eat too many flaming hot Cheetos, it looks like you are shitting blood. Am I dying or is it a side effect of Cheetos? So I ate a bunch of Cheetos and went to the emergency room. That's my story. Fuck, I love me some Cheetos. Did you not think that initially? Did you think that like, oh, it must be these Cheetos? Or is it just so terrifying that you were like... Well, how do you go for... Like I had hit some sort of critical mass... Where my body was like, get this trash out of me. Because it never happened before. I went went from like the the worst diet you could possibly have and what seemed like no side effects to I am dying within one bathroom trip. Exercised a flaming hot Cheeto. (laughs) Yeah. The one extra step. Just a little too far. I'd like to see you guys top my uh, snack chat. Fuck. I never had to go to the doctor with a foreign object in my ass because <laughs> I ate too many Cheetos. I don't, I mean, it depends on how far we want to go. I'll tell the story and then Ted can decide. He's definitely not going to cut this out. But so in the. the Noted. <laughs> I'm terrified. And, uh, <laughs> well, you like when, when you go out in the field for like an extended period of time, like in the military, like until you get really comfortable with it, you're like, it's like, yeah, your body just shuts down all unnecessary processes for like the five to seven days or however long you're out there. So like it was not uncommon to go like, or if you just go into some form of like really stressful training, like dudes will be like, yeah, I haven't shit in like a week. And it's just like, that's just kind of normal. So like that would happen in the field. And then you combine that with like the nutritional content of MREs, which (laughs) is like, like you can get crackers and like packaged cheese whiz, like that sort of level. And we came out of the field and I was like, oh my God, like this is going to be glorious. Went in. It like, like a can of brown bread? <laughs> no, no. It <laughs> it came out, it came out like the, uh, like the sleeve of a barbell. It was so rigid. Close. <laughs> and it Slip laid across, it laid across the toilet bowl. Okay. 
did not would not break did not break with the with oh, the like, the, like a with stick with the like a commercial a yeah it's like the commercial where does that like, land on the you needed scale. that airport toilet power yeah, flush it's like across across the uh you have to yell sergeant i need a power washer yeah, like, i need a, <laughs> yeah, I, need a, I, need a <laughs> I need a jackhammer in here jaws of life <laughs> I need the jaws of life boys where's that fall on the uh, bristol scale the Bristol scale, I don't know, like 40, zero. 46. <laughs> or 200. 40, it's 200. Absolute zero. 200. <laughs> just, a, just a brick. All right, sure. Are you, you're not going to share? I don't have anything to top yeah. either of those two stories. We're not, we, we're not going to uh, incriminate Sure with any of his stories that could line up with these ones. You guys don't want to know. <laughs> Leave alone. Um, <laughs> mostly a foreign object guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah mostly. Big foreign object. Last but not least, it's a little clickbaity. But it is funny. I don't know if you guys saw Castro trolling Fraser again. No. No, I haven't seen that. It was another Who's the Goat. Oh, is it because he owns an affiliate and whatnot? It was that thing? They asked Castro who's the, the greatest CrossFitter of all time. And he was like, you know I'm going to say Rich. But he he gave his answer why. And a lot of people were excited that like, oh, well, this is the metric for the goat, but it's also just him creating whatever criteria he wants no for like allowed to allow it to fit. And he had like he's an affiliate owner. He was a red shirt at one point, like like really sort of all in on the community. And now people that are involved with the sport aren't as involved. I just can't get over that. He won't drop that whole thing. Which part? The fra- well, the Fraser, like the yeah, that like he's the, not going to say that the guy who's the, obviously yeah, yeah, the best yeah. ever okay. is the best ever. He would never say it, even so much so now that he's created a new definition for what that is. Like, trying to think of an example for like Michael Jordan. Yeah, he wouldn't teach summer camp, so he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Jordan. Yeah, okay. I do. I do have an example. Michael Jordan was at was it Chris Paul's basketball camp? Yes, and they yeah. were all supposed to get Jordans. And Chris Paul said, if he can hit three three pointers in a row or something to that effect, you don't get any shoes. And Michael literally stood up, grabbed a basketball, drained three three pointers, and didn't give shoes to children. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. The valid like uh, like who cares if like how real it is? The just Chris Chris like story. just the idea that he's like You'll get none and like it. Yeah, there's just the idea that he would do that. And I just I, I find it funny every time it gets re brought up. Mm. Because there's nothing taking away from like there's all the people that like old timers want to say were better than Jordan, hmm. and then Jordan wouldn't exist without those people, and they paved the way and all that. Yeah, all that stuff argument. is real. All of it's real, but it doesn't change the actual things that happened and the actual dominance that took place. Yeah, and, but you could you could argue the same with Rich, and he's dominated on multiple on more across across the lo- longer about time the team. and divisions than Frazier. Yeah. Frazier is the most dominant individual CrossFitter of all time, but uh, you might have a hard time arguing that he surpasses yeah. Rich when it comes to like overall impact. But his overall impact, the same thing as just the yeah, greatest I mean, I, it, we got to establish a criteria, right? right? But it's like, and I just like combine, that you can make up the criteria that you want sure. for the argument. That but you if have. it's like, even if it's CrossFit games, you know, placements finishes whatever it is it's like like no one individual when you combine when you combine it like across divisions and if he decides to do masters i just have a hard time going with that because like when he'd compete as an individual the competition fucking over on saturday morning (laughs) like 
a lot of the years, the fucking competition was over a day early, if not a day and a half earlier. You than mean with Frazier or from Fra Frazier? Like when yeah. he was competing, like there are years where like the fucking competition was over on Saturday. It's like, who's coming second? starting on Saturday. So like everyone then shifted their focus to the women's division just because there was like an actual race an actual competitiveness, right. but like the gap that he created, like rich had some good years, but I never can't really think of a year where he had a dominating year. Like I think it was Frazier, maybe 18 that it was like Saturday morning. It was like, yeah. all right, who's coming second. Yeah. He had a couple, I think he had like one or two that were like that. Not certainly not to the degree of Frazier, but yeah, if you're talking about the totality, totality of impact. Yeah. But I actually you, did but think you, that you might have an argument for Froning, just in my head. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Like, if you were to ask me personally, I think, like, Frazier is the better <clears throat> CrossFit. But then again, it's like, it's the generational ah, thing. Yeah. It's like, well, it's it like, him. Would, Jor would Jordan have played, <laughs> would Jordan has been, would be as good as he was then as he, like, in today's NBA. And it's like, I, I don't know enough about basketball, so maybe, but like... Wayne Gretzky wouldn't yes. have been <laughs> Wayne Gretzky would not wouldn't be able to yeah. I don't think in his prime would be able to play in today's NHL but that doesn't mean he's not the greatest of all time that was an exaggerated statement that was a very you, you don't think he could have played now it's the greatest hockey player you mean just like play I, I don't I don't think I don't think I don't think he would be I just think he's too he's too he would have been too small and too slow the game has just gotten mm. so much better yeah comparatively yeah I, again, the, I'm saying like him and his prime Right. Place him, pluck him out of then and place him into sure. 2023 NHL. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, we would just like individual competition, team competition. If he does masters, obviously that'll be, I can't imagine that he wouldn't do extremely well then there. He, and then he does have the, I don't know. You're crooked, bro. Almost, almost 200 <laughs> pound lunges. <laughs> Yeah, I almost got him. <laughs> almost, almost got, got him. Almost got someone. If only they do like nine rounds of max deadlift. Nine, <laughs> nine <laughs> rounds of 40 unbroken deadlifts at 405. All right, Misfits, just a quick break to shout out our show sponsors and hopefully save you a little bit of dough on our favorite products. One of my favorite products at properfuel.co is the Stim Free Pre-Workout. Uh, being able to go through the day, get all the work done, not really having time in the morning to exercise and then go across the street to the affiliate and get something that actually sort of gets me revved up and makes my workout go a lot better, but without caffeine is super important. Um, we're always sort of keeping up with the, the latest research on this stuff. And we just got more proof this week of how powerful beta alanine is for the more intense exercise that we do. And again, just snapping from that mindset of, you know, being at the desk and staring at programming spreadsheets and being able to go next door and without a stimulant, make a change in my workout um, is great. So you can head to properfuel.co, get either the stem or stem free version of our pre-workout. Use the code word misfit to save. We're also brought to you by Sharpen the Axe. You can head to sharpentheaxecode.com. Use your favorite athlete code to save 10% and donate 10% towards their quarterfinal, semifinal, and games journey. Uh, some of the cleanest swag in the game coming from Sharpen the Axe. One of my favorite releases about a year and a half, two years ago, was the Little by Little, and it's making a resurgence with a really, really clean, nice front hunt on a tee, some dope shorts, and the hoodie that Drew is wearing right now. So you can Find that out. Check that out on the 8th of February. And again, you can use your favorite athlete code, save 10% and donate 10% to them. And lastly, we are, of course, brought to you by Misfit Athletics and Team Misfit Affiliate Programming. For those of you listening, maybe you're following the program, maybe you're not. We are in the midst of quarterfinals prep for our hatchet program track athletes really getting ready uh to to kind of give it the juice in the open in their quarterfinals being their kind of super bowl for the season um 
and it, it's certainly not too late to get on board in kind of that tapering uh, schedule that's going to get you ready to perform your best in quarterfinals. And if you're not sure about it, you've always got camp. Misfit.camp. You can sign up, get your tickets for March 4th and 5th. Show up a day early. Come do 23.3 with us. And then we can get into the weeds talking about all of the athlete IQ stuff that you hear us talk so much about on both today's podcast and in previous podcasts. Again, that's MisfitAthletics.com or the Sugarwad Marketplace to sign up for programming and Misfit.camp to get your quarterfinals prep camp tickets. All right, back to the show. Well, that's the crazy, the, probably the craziest part about the Jordan things. If you go back and watch him playing like his highlight tapes, you're like, no one in the NBA does that, can do that. Yeah. The way that he, I think the biggest difference is probably like, if you watch him talk about like why he doesn't shoot three pointers and like what the point of his game was and what he was trying to accomplish, I don't know. It'd be weird to see how that fit into the NBA now. Cause that's basically all they do in the NBA now is shoot threes. Um, but there isn't, there isn't a single player in the NBA that makes the kind of plays that he did. Yeah. Like they've gotten to the point where they're so athletic that they can, you know, dunk on people, a lot more than he used to, but the fact that he would glide through the air and make it seem like he stopped and you would decide where you were going to go as a defender and he would just in go the, the air move around you <laughs> yeah. and then put the ball in. Like there isn't a single guy in NBA history that has I mean, his that. playing days are obviously super impressive, but I still love the stories of after he's done, he's being more like the executive, the Charlotte Bobcats or like whatever. And they're like, <clears throat> Yeah, we had a bad game, so he came up and whooped our ass. He played one on nine and beat us all by 100 points, and we suck. And he's like, this dude's like 55 years old. Like, he would go into their practices and yeah. be like, I'm running with fucking second team. We're going to beat the first team. Yeah. And it's because I'm playing at like 55 you Imagine years old. being the 10th player. So you're, the, you're, you're on the second team, and you're about to practice, and he's Scoot. like, sit the fuck down. Yeah. <laughs> you go you over there. I'll show you something real quick. Hold on. Hold my beer. It's like guy drops 20 points in a scrimmage. Fuck, the stories are so crazy. It's so like, it doesn't silly. make any sense. You're 50 years old competing against 25 year olds and you're doing that stuff. All right. I just had to bring it up. It makes me laugh every single time. I think to me on my side of this, there's just, there's a, a single answer to that. You could ask who's more important to the history of the sport. Oh, definitely for rich in that yeah, regard. I exactly. Agree. What's but your, what's the answer? What's your question that you're saying? Who is Frazier the greatest, is the who is the greatest CrossFit <clears throat> athlete of all time? And you would say Frazier. I don't even, uh, I mean, we can talk, we can talk Frazier versus Tia, but I don't. Mm. Some of those early years. Athlete of all time. Yeah. Some of those early years. Nico Salo. Rich literally (laughs) dictated what the sport was. He changed everything. He completely changed the entire landscape. But then some things happened. Some other guy came in and. Decided I'll do that. But and I'll then do it what? Better. But then Frazier won, won a handful of times. Froning won a handful he, of times he won, before, then won a handful of times with the team. That, that doesn't matter that much to me. In this argument, it matters a lot in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. I just think so, it's, so a, it's an apples to oranges the individual, kind of thing. Individual, greatest individual CrossFit athlete of all time? Because that, that is the distinction, no. right? Because I mean, then, then greatest then CrossFit sort of insinuates indiv- like individual, I think. I don't like you don't get any greatest. You don't cro- get like, no, the, the definite. The, the uh, question was greatest CrossFit athlete of all time. Is yeah, you're. Those, they're just two, two different things. They're two very different things. Well, what is, then define define CrossFit athlete? 
is crap. Well, I mean, the, the definition <laughs> matters. You know what's funny is <laughs> I, I knew that here. no matter what, I knew before the podcast that he was going to say Froning. I knew he was. I'm not. I, I'm not saying I want yeah, to. You are. I want to. You tried know, to say Fraser know, before, no, no, and you no. vomited on the no, floor. I want to know. What the, I want to know what the criteria is for evaluating the answer. And I'm <laughs> saying, <laughs> fuck me, Ted. Get fucked. <laughs> That's I got the an thing. MRE with that, some cheese for you. That's the thing. You can't, you can't set the criteria without setting the criteria. You know what I mean? Like you're saying one thing. I'm and not it's, saying the criteria. I'm saying on, define. Define what right, CrossFit athlete means. I'm, I'm trying to help your situation. I'm saying that Here's when you point. are saying what you're saying, there is a criteria that you've decided sort of attached to it. Right. No, There's I'm a not. reason I'm, I'm why you're saying for, I'm looking you're to saying. hear what the criteria is so that I can give my answer. I think it's demeaning to say greatest individual CrossFit athlete because that's what the sport well, is the and has been. Team CrossFit athlete of all time. Well, that's not a hard thing to yeah, answer. Rich, Rich Froning. Yeah, of course. Who's the greatest individual CrossFit athlete of all time? Tia, Tia or Matt? <laughs> Tia or Matt? Yeah. Who's the greatest CrossFit athlete of all time? Tia or Matt? You got to think those about three, the playing those are field. Three, those are three questions. No, you can't. I don't think you can do that. That it's like no, you can though. You can. You absolutely can because there could be another iteration. You know what's easier than like each time you go down the line, each time you change from this part of the sport to this part of the sport to this part of the sport, it's easier to succeed in different spots. That's why you it's it's so hard to compare those two things. It is hard to compare, but you can't you can't you can't say that an athlete isn't as good because of the time the if they were if they overlapped, if they were if they competed at the same time, there would be an argument. But there are aside, okay, yeah. one the one year. But aside from that, like yep. there had to have been a greater overlap. Because there is definitely a generational difference between the caliber of athlete when Rich was competing exactly. and when Froning yes. was competing. But yeah. But you can't you that like Froning was superior to every other athlete in mm -hmm. pretty much every way at the time. You can't you I don't think you can fairly I think the you, like like eliminate relative history and just say that because then obviously like Matt would Matt would win in, you know, nine out of ten instances in that. But you can't it's the. I think one of the best examples is that open workout where they had to do the bar facing burpees ahead each like head to head with each other like that and it was Ben Matt and at Rich. the ranch yeah at the ranch like yeah. that is a good example of those three going head to head because like when Froning was at his <clears throat> peak we still had recreational CrossFitters going to the CrossFit games we had people who are like full time police officers competing in the sport of CrossFit and then right around the time where Rich was hanging it up and Matt was starting people were like fuck this is a career like I can make money out of this and make this my whole life and like I think Rich set the tone for like hey this is a professional gig and I'm gonna make it a professional gig but he was kind of at the very tail end of like the recreational CrossFitter when everybody thought like if they trained really hard they could go to regionals and maybe if they did really good they could go to the CrossFit games whereas like when Matt started taking over and being dominant it was like all right no if you're gonna go do this sport at the highest level this is your fucking life and you don't do anything else. But, but again, like you, you, you can make that argument for any other sport, right? It's like in, in the I'm trying to think of a good example and like the sixties or seventies and playing hockey, it's like, like dudes are having like drink, like slugging beers between periods. Right. And it's like, did the greatest player of all time come out, of that, come out of that generation, <laughs> that generation, or is the greatest player, the one now who's like, you know, tracking their macros and it's got the TB 12 method, 
is yeah but you're literally you're 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 looking at a gap where like it's a it's a 10-year history it's not we're not going back 20 30 40 years to those spots and he was not dominating in every category that's not true i said nearly every category but yes (laughs) okay well having but again gaping holes is like matt didn't have that I always just laugh. Like, again, we, we kind of came up in the time where there were the crazy, like, meme, like, people like Ben Smith's dad and drywall. And it was like, the, God, God, I, I forgot those Like, the fittest man on earth just <laughs> lost a foot race or had to dad. walk in a 5K. Like, I remember those things. And, like, that, yeah. again, bad, bad year, maybe bad training kind of thing. But, like, I, you, I can't remember a time where you ever saw something like that happen to Matt. I just mm. think about those instances and like, that's another, like, I don't want to say like chink in the armor, but like sort of like that. Like you never, I couldn't, you never spotted really any weakness with Matt. Once he decided he wasn't going to eat Ben and Jerry's and like, you know, actually train like a professional. Like once he made the decision where he lo- came in second, a second consecutive year, like from that moment on, like I can't you remember one single time where he didn't look like the most dominant athlete in the field and basically everything that he did yeah but if if in if in 10 years we start seeing some fucking wild events like like at the crossfit games something that we've never even seen before we can't even like imagine what it is now and you could be like yeah well matt frazier would have never done well at that it's like well he wasn't ever presented with those same challenges in the sense that like he wasn't ever presented with like again froning was the best given like the circumstances that it was under it's the same it's like it's like when you when people talk about history it's like it's like well you can't you can't negate the fact that the environment that people were in like people are responsive to the environment that they are in at the time and you can't like pluck an individual out and hypothetically place them into a different you can when they're we're talking about these these windows are so close together they like actually overlapped and it was a couple of years in this direction and a couple of years here you're hitting me with fucking and froning still beat frazier in his first year literally his first year that's like saying home to me that's like saying holmberg beat froning because he knew how to climb a rope i mean he did (laughs) <laughs> in your face Holmberg, I mean, best crossfit games you heard it there first. it is you heard it here first the only <laughs> devil's advocate that i can think of is let's say they had lined up let's say that they someone else was the 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 first guy you know kalipa just went and did his thing for a handful of years and then those two got into it together when it was more developed that would have been a fucking thing to see yeah sure because I think the the competitive nature of Froning would have pushed him to a different place and a different level. But in reality, he didn't get there. Maybe he didn't have to get there. Like if you win every year. Yeah, it's almost one of those things where you watch, you know, the couple of years where he did come in second place that like pushed him to a level where he's like, I'm not quite there yet. And then he pushed himself past so far past everybody else that everyone was like, Cool. Second place. I guess we're playing for second place. Like that's how I felt watching him basically from, was that seven, 16? Frazier. Yeah. yeah 16 yeah. on. Yeah. Just like everybody else enjoy second place. Cause like, I don't think that he had someone maybe nipping at his heels the same way that he theoretically did as he was trying to win in 14, 15, right? 14, 15 was 14 was Froning and 15 was Ben Smith. 
Like, I think those are the two years that, like, really, like, stuck that thorn in his side where he's like, I'm going to train so hard that, like, ain't nobody coming close to first place. And, like, just, I think that's the difference there. He just didn't have anybody that was that close. Like, you can make the argument now moving forward that Medeiros has the opportunity to, like, ward off the people that are, like, nipping at his heels. The guy coming off a four-year suspension and Roman finally getting a chance to compete the CrossFit Games. Like, we could potentially be seeing something similar. We obviously haven't seen Justin quite be as dominant as... You know, Matt, he's not winning a bunch of events. He just does really well at everything. He's not someone like, you know, handful of first, handful of seconds, some thirds, and then like a seventh. Like he's typically like a bunch of second through fifths. But like, that's what I think we could potentially be seeing up and coming. Curious to see if he'll ever get pushed to the level where like he is as dominant as Matt is. And I just, I don't know if we'll see it for a while, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just I can't I'm I think I'm too much of a purist to say, oh, let's talk about these other things that I don't think belong even in the conversation at all. It's like if I'm thinking about it from a sports perspective, it's like I don't know. Like what what's a what's an individual it's an individual type sport where I mean you've got golf, you've got tennis, tennis like Kelly Slater, surfing, Tony Hawk, skateboarding. Sure, but you can't. There's no... So there isn't like other team surfing competitions where it's like, it's our scores plus yours or, you know, compared to yours. No. So I'm thinking about like golf or tennis or something where there at least is, you know, they do, you know, best ball or they do, you know, doubles and things like that. Uh, If you're going to decide I'm done with the sport and then I'm going to go do this other version of it, great fantastic that's like a choice that you're making but i don't think like that to me would need to be its own silo like team individual you know even masters you could have that conversation about who's you know who's the most dominant teen athlete of all time who's the most dominant you know masters athlete of all time they're just so different the programming is different the amount of work that you have to do is different i just don't see them like obviously it's all crossfit but i just don't see those things as the same thing. I mean, we know of plenty of athletes who were fringe CrossFit Games athletes that end up being better on a team than people who are, you know, top 20, top 15, top 10. Yeah. You know, you're more suited to that skill set. So to me, trying to bring in the apples, oranges, bananas, like it just doesn't, I don't know, doesn't sit right. It's not saying one's better than the other. They're just so different to me, like so incredibly different that. I can't yeah. do it. That's why definitions matter. What's that? That's why definitions matter. Big definition. <laughs> Big definition. Right, but a CrossFit <laughs> athlete, CrossFit is individual. It always has been. The team no, thing that, is like that, a fun a, thing to do. That's like, a, it's a noun. CrossFit athletes, like a like a person. Yeah, like CrossFit is dominant. an individual thing. Oh, I skipped that class. What? <laughs> <laughs> now. The most dominant CrossFit athlete. The most now. dominant CrossFit now. Listen, if we if we say individual, like you, I got no, I, don't, I have no argument. Like it's got to be, it's either Frazier or Tia, mm-hmm. and we could we could have that argument. But I think if it's like greatest, that was the question. Greatest CrossFit athlete. I mean, like all they cross- said was, who's the goat front of your Fraser? That was the question yeah, that he got. Okay. And he's vague. not going to say Fraser. Sure. <laughs> Best friends with him. Best friends. Yeah. <laughs> all right. No, too, too many other, too many external factors. I got to answer that question for me as Froning, just on a definition perspective, definition standpoint. Right. You made as- up your own definition. CrossFit is an individual sport. No, I made, I made CrossFit one. CrossFit is an individual sport. One. That's what I think. CrossFit's an individual yeah. sport. It is. 
What is I mean, there? Are there? An, is there another sport? I'm trying to think of the, if there's another sport yeah, like that where tough. you're like an individual on a team, or you or you can compete individually or on a team. I think tennis is the, one of the best examples. I was actually just watching that Netflix documentary. It's called Breakpoint, and it's talking about like the Australian Open, or whatever. And there's like the guy that had beat Rafa Nadal at I want to say Wimbledon in like 15 or 16 when he was like a super young kid. Tan Austin. <laughs> yes, guys. Look up a photo of Nadal and Austin oh, Spencer. Spencer side by side. It's fucking freaky, especially when he's younger. He didn't have a beard. Literally like doppelganger. I can see that. <laughs> so anyways, in, in, in that story, basically they're taking him through like the 20, I think 21 uh, Australian Open. And there's this guy, Nick Kyrgios, and he's someone that was like slated to be in the top like, conversation, like semifinals, maybe win the whole thing, yeah. beat Nadal. And he gets knocked out like in the fucking round of 32. He has like a bad event. He's a hothead. And he decides one of his buddies is also, you know, a pretty good tennis player, but nowhere near caliber going to go win things. He's like, hey, you want to team up and do this? And they, you know, accidentally as two individual tennis players form doubles and win the whole thing, which is like unheard of because the people that they beat are like phenomenal. Like they were expected to win so much. And it's just like that to me is an example of, you know, someone who's playing individual sport and have to take an individual skill set and figure out how to then adapt it to the team aspect. Cause you know, what Rich had to do from individual versus what he has to do with team is I think very different, but also very similar. It's just like, there's a communication aspect. There's a teamwork aspect that's involved in there. So like more influential in the sport. Sure. Rich, better athlete, Matt. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Um, quarterfinals prep camp. Oh, camp, 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 camp. A lot of chatter on the old discord about camp um, to the point where I think it's worth talking a little bit about camp in a non salesy, advertising way. And just like there are people, I think, that are concerned with this idea of um you know, maybe even if the name wasn't quarterfinals prep camps, just, you know, it's an athlete training camp. Like, am I, should I go to something like that? Um, and one of the things that I thought about more than anything else is the, again, the idea of um, being in a room with like-minded individuals. And last year, you know, between coaches and misfit athletes and then camp attendees, we were, you know, pushing 50 people in the room and there's just a, there's some kind of, there's just this buzz. I feel like society Fine. now is very siloed and people are sort of off doing their own thing. And, you know, you are in your, you know, echo chamber in a certain way of, you probably get a lot of CrossFit content through email and Instagram and you, you know, you go to your gym and everything like that. Um, but when you sort of organize it a little bit better and, you know, go through the finer points of things. I think that the retention is much higher because of how into it you are. And then just that like personal social experience, if you haven't had that through something like a training camp or a seminar or even like a competition, that's a little bit more of like an intimate setting. This is the kind of thing that like every CrossFitter should experience. It's like the way I think of it is going to do the level one or level two from CrossFit. Like when I was coming up and starting to do CrossFit from the very beginning, like following main site, and I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then you go do the level one for the first time. You're like, holy shit, there's a bunch of people who also really like to do this stuff. And like that environment, like the, like the, 
the passion with which people speak about and you know the the atmosphere that you're in just makes you like love the thing more and i think that if, you know anyone that follows our programming and really likes that what we do here has an opportunity to come here and visit like there's just a, a level there that's just not created outside and we you know we try our best to encourage the you know discord groups and find a friend group on there and communicate and share scores and learn from one another but there's just no better environment to really double down and get better at those things than being in person here and i just it's so funny because there's all those like memes and jokes about like, we well, shut the fuck up about CrossFit. But like when you come to Misfit in Portland, do quarterfinals camp, like that's the only thing we're really concerned about here. We want you to double down on that. We want you to ask those questions and be a part Ain't of it. Ain't nobody that. judging you in that room about no, loving it's CrossFit. So, so fun in that regard, because again, that's, that's why you're here. That's the purpose that brought you here and like allows us just to have fun with it, which I think, you know, in your normal life, it's a, you know, a slice of the pie. It's just a little, little sliver of what you do every single day. But when you come here, it can kind of be the whole thing. And know what better day what better way to focus on something like that you really care about and then you just get fully entrenched in it for you know two full days plus if you come a day early and do 23.3 you get an extra day the way i think of it is um like kids up until they're like four years old are mostly like socialized and developed by their parents and whatnot and then once they go to school it's like you better hope you did a good job by the time the kids are four because they're the rest of the time it's going to be they're going to get socialized with their friends yeah she almost there sure you get there you get there kid so i think of it as like we like we're we're the parents right now and we kind of talk to you guys throughout the year whether it's through the podcast through tip videos or maybe directly through discord you guys are all four-year-olds when you come to training camp and it's like you get socialized and you get the you get what you actually come for by interacting with everybody else, kind of you, yeah. when, when all of you come to school together and you, you learn just as much, if not more from each other than you will from us. Cause I tell our affiliate athletes this, whenever we, whenever we talk about a training camp coming up, it's like, Hey, the biggest benefit for you guys is getting to, you know, if you're interested in the, you know, your performance, or even if you're just looking to get better, like the benefit to you is being around a whole bunch of other people that you never get to see you know, in your Monday through Friday CrossFit class, you got people coming from from all corners of the the country and sometimes the the globe. Um, and I don't have my right hand pocket of like sweet CrossFit games, quarterfinals, semifinals, and games athlete cues to help them do well. And then in my left pocket, I got the dog shit cues for the affiliate athletes. Like you guys don't rate my right pocket cues. Shoulder like, circles. Let's like, go. Yeah. It's all. It's all. It's all the same stuff. The benefit comes from being able to you know, hear a different perspective from someone who's trained by themselves for the last year and a half in their own basement and like what they've learned or a group of people who train together and like what they get. And those just those those interactions are a huge part of what campers gain, regardless of where their name falls on the leaderboard. Yeah, the there's there's a few things that make the community different and exciting. And one thing that I think we do well is we help athletes sort of find out where they're currently at in their journey and where they should slot into the ecosystem. But that is just a, like a snippet of time more than anything, like where you're currently at, where you want to be, you're going to be somewhere on that continuum. And one of our jobs is to help you figure out where you're currently at and what it is that you can do to progress and move forward. So the idea that you are either not, um, like even just an informed participant of the sport or you're not where you want to be as a coach or you're not where you want to be now as an athlete, the biggest opportunity to make a change within that is to come see us in person. 
We do everything that we can through videos and podcasts and articles and all that stuff to help you. But there's something so different with, you know, even at the highest levels, being able to that first time that you get to work with your remote athlete in person, you know, you, you knock off two, three, four months of coaching just in a couple of days because you see them move, you can understand their personality, all of that stuff. So when you come to Misfit HQ for a camp, we get the opportunity to do that. We get to get go in and work with you and help you again, figure out where you're at, you know, what you need to do to move forward, all that good stuff. And all these other sports that we're talking about, we're trying to find what's so we can't find the comparison. We just proved it. There's no fucking comparison. We can't. So you normally have, you're either competing or observing. Those are kind of your choices when it comes to most sports. And so many people get to figure out in CrossFit, whether they're competing, coaching, participating or observing. There's all of these different things that you can do. And basically, if you are one of those people where you would slot in as a like-minded individual, um, I think you should come to camp. And again, this is not like, this is not the, the kind of thing where we're sitting here and we're hoping that we can get one or two more people to sign up. We know, especially the people that were really nervous about showing up, what they have to say after camp is so powerful that I just want people here and to show up and to make that leap that part of your comfort zone like that you're really out of when you're thinking about whether to sign up or not is by far the hardest part like once you decide to sign up and show up here you will have a great that should that should probably be a good indicator that what you might be about to undertake is worthwhile. It's right. So that's true. That little bit of nervousness. If you're just like, eh, I don't know. This probably isn't for me. I mean, like journal article 2020, 2002. It's like, if your workout doesn't scare you a little bit, like Mm. you might not be doing the right fitness program. Like the, I think that being a little bit nervous about that is the, should be a good kind of impetus for you to say like, huh, maybe, maybe there's something to this. Maybe there's a door that if I, if I crack open a little bit is going to open really wide for me and present me with opportunities that wouldn't have otherwise existed. I think the biggest change that I had with my two remote coaching clients, they're both teenagers. I went to the CrossFit games was the experience they had at quarterfinals camp and what they picked up and learned from the, the veterans who've been doing the sport in the individual part of it, as well as just the everyday member. And like, I think the environment created the atmosphere where like you put your guard down. Yeah, I'll do the 15 minute math warm up, even though I fucking hate warming up for more than three seconds. I, I see the ownership over like how you dial in your nutrition. I see the ownership over, you know, you were going to clean and jerk. And then while I'm over here already at 80% and that person's over there with still, you know, 40% in the barbell dialing in technique, technique, technique. And I really think that allowed them to take, you know, a giant leap forward, almost like going into a time machine and fast forwarding two or three years. Like, that the opportunity to come in and learn in this environment allows you to figure out what you are good and not good at. And then say, all right, how do I put a magnifying glass on that? And can I ask the people around me who are good at those things, what they are doing to make that leap? And the thing I thought was the, the best was just talking to Sophie about her interaction with Paige because they were both doing, I think last year we had a like rope climb, clean and jerk kind of thing. And they were both going for a super heavy clean and jerk. And Sophie's very good with a barbell and Paige is very good with a barbell and, you know, listening to Sophie talk to Paige afterwards about like how they built up to their heavy weight and what they thought about when they lift. And it was just like, you could see Paige took an extra level of care for each step of how she got herself ready for that. Mm. And then Sophie was like, you know what? 
what if I did that as well? And that like, what if that gets created when you see it happen first person can be what you were just talking about. Like if there's something you don't really like to do, you should lean into that or figure out why you don't like to do that and then do that thing. And that might be the thing that allows you to fast forward your progress. So you come in here and you have a certain hole in your game or something you're not used to doing. You lean into the community and go, how the fuck did you you get get, comfortable with that? You get get answers to questions you didn't even know you were supposed to ask. And it's it's like, I I mean, just think about going to like, any level of schooling, like where, where do you, where do most kids learn the most? It's like, we want a field trip. I learned the most in lab when it's like, there's the hands-on element yeah. of it. Did you learn more there or when you had to take like an online class or when you had to just memorize a bunch of facts? I learned a, a ton in online classes. I believe I that. attended all of all them. All of them. Yeah. His name was connecting on Zoom. <laughs> name was, <yeah>. <laughs> connecting <laughs> dot dot dot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I would have I would have murdered Zoom school. I could not you record yourself. <laughs> imagine, holy <laughs> wow, that is interesting. Carry on. You're gonna burn it. That's the key. Uh, yeah. says that phrase. Wow. Tell me more. Work hard. Work harder on figuring out how to not work hard. <laughs> yeah. Than I would if I just worked hard. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Injury update, Hunter. I was intrigued enough last week that I think the people need to hear your injury, what you're doing to fix it. You're still training. Yeah. Where's it at? That's what he was coach, though. Specifically got, last night. What's that? <laughs> Nothing. Just talking about you in trouble that's with your coach last night. Kid? The, that's how they I got the W me last night. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Sorry, but like, don't worry about the bike minute, pace. 18 minute workout. The bike pace does not matter. And I'm like, okay, gotta. I, you know I'm gonna get a, a ten cal, a quick ten cal lead in the first ten <laughs> seconds of this workout. I'll be fine. Everybody was looking around like, "What the fuck is he doing? What direction was his head going? I think in? if I hadn't done that, I think I would have. I think uh, one, a couple of my six thirty folks might have might have edged me out. So suck me, sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I was playing men's league hockey. To be fair, it was like a it was a ten oh five. Was this individual hockey, drop. masters hockey, or team hockey? Suck me, guy. <laughs> I mean, what is a hockey player? God, <laughs> fucking trolls. Um, He's not great at the game, but you put him on the ice alone. Woo! <laughs> yeah, with the team. See, no. Sorry, uh, I was playing hockey. Went for a one timer because I'm in the NHL. That's necessary at men's league hockey. You should have seen him miming this in the gym last week. He's a fucking elite. Yeah. (laughs) If you saw how I mimed it, you would see why I got injured. (laughs) Basically fucked up a bunch of stuff in my like right hip because that kind of that knee like dropped toward the ice for like following through. Really CrossFit's the dangerous thing. CrossFit's the dangerous thing. Um I I don't think I've I can I don't know that I've ever been seriously hurt. Like traumatic incident doing CrossFit. I don't think I have like a catastrophic injury. Say the same. Having done CrossFit, I hurt myself at the tactical strength challenge, which technically is not CrossFit. (laughs) (laughs) Such a good tactical strength athlete. Um, Would have won if they didn't. So I heard it. Let it rest for like a week. Thought I was okay to go surfing. Uh, Was not okay to surf, and basically, like I've just been had to guessing it's your back leg surfing. It's my back leg surfing. Yeah, it's like hip flexor. So any sort of like the motion of lifting your knee up, thinking like the like driving and like a sprint or like a or something like that. Just that muscle weakness is not there. So I actually saw somebody today for it and he just thought it was a combination of like hip flexor, TFL, a couple other small muscles that are just like that just got irritated. No, like 
no like labral issue or anything like that but um been mostly relegated to like upper body stuff some it's a pretty spe- it's they're pretty specific motions that bother it so i mean I've you been, did a full rowing interval the other day rowing was you... fine yeah just because it's not there isn't that like aggressive like if like a box jump for example like yeah. pulling my knees up to my chest like yep. that's a no-go that uh, i was de- i demoed like a 12 inch box jump over for class like last week and i was like fuck that still bothers it a little I understand bit. that some very <laughs> some, <laughs> squat some very specific <laughs> movements that that bother it but it's gotten better and i'm still like so i'm doing like i got the monkey feet i've been using that thing quite yep. a bit so working on like just strengthening the hip flexor and like a bunch of different ranges you go super light with that i used uh i've the only i've only used five and ten pound dumbbells do not strap so a like, 50 to it the first time you get it no, i'm just gonna throw that out not there. doing that <laughs> i feel like you do that I, it wasn't it i don't have. know if it was a 50 <laughs> but it was have. it was way whatever it was it was way too heavy yeah now i like 10 I did one and i thought i was gonna tip over forward off the bench five <laughs> or ten pound dumbbell and then i've got oh, some weird like got some of like those the clamshells and like the straight yep. leg, like lateral straight leg lifts to just like strengthen that. But it's just a good kind of reminder that we don't do a whole lot of like lateral, yep. lateral movement, kind of unpredictable ranges of motion. I was actually thinking about that because CrossFit's like the unno- unknown and unknowable. Yeah. And it's like, it's unknown and unknowable until you know what you're doing. And then it's like, until you know what like the workout is or what sure. the test is. And then it's like, for the most part, you're like, Oh, I've done this before. Whereas like basket, like more traditional sports, it's like the game is the same, but like, it's like a snowflake, right? Like you're, right. Oh, you, you'll never move in that exact same direction with that exact same speed like twice you know it's all it's all novel basically every movement you kind of make it's even more relevant now with in the sport with what boz is commenting True, about yeah. and bringing to the table have you seen the any of the run the tests what's that yeah. interesting i've been watching a couple of those I thought yeah they they, were they, re- they release like a couple of i, I think they existed. three it's called run the test it's like boz talking about how he programmed some oh, okay. of the games events yep. doesn't go into quite as much detail as I was hoping for, which yeah. for I'm sure obvious reasons. For us, but, yeah, for us, the, the, we, we want the nitty gritty um, all the way down. Yeah, I, I think I missed the, I haven't seen the Elizabeth Elevated one yet, but I saw Jackie Pro where he was talking about getting the the paces down and stuff like that for the yep. the row requirement and stuff. So I'm very cool. intrigued by the his comment that why, why are you guys only doing muscle ups on the rings? I'm really intrigued about what that means. Mm-hmm what he's going to have he's like you can do so much stuff on the rings journal oh oh on the rings oh i thought you were suggesting muscle ups otherwise support. here we no. go <laughs> yeah Fuck. you like that don't you think the ba- you pancake I, I yourself think, is not how you hurt yourself i think i think yeah. the bat that one backward roll to support at the old gym may have been the initial like left shoulder injury that mm. eventually resulted in surgery Remember you belly flopping off the top of those rings? Fuck, we that did, terrifies so. me. I've got a. I hate that. I've been I working working with an affiliate athlete too on muscle ups, and we've gotten to the point where I'm giving her like a little bit. She does 98 percent of the work, and there's like a, just a little bit of my arm to boost her up and yep. get the turnover, so she feels what it's like to receive in the bottom position correctly. And I'm like. Okay, I'm gonna go really gentle at first because I I you want to heave her through? Yeah, I'm gonna like throw her through the rings, and, and it happened one time, and I was like, I, I don't, I don't, I was like, is that on me? Like I've, I, I'm like terrified Did that I I'm gonna that? throw. Well, no, because you're <laughs> her her through. movement pattern 
and <laughs> where and where she turns over and where she catches. Yeah. If you manipulate that in any way, that is going against all of her muscle memory. Yeah. And all I can think about is me like throwing that left arm like straight internal rotation, chicken wing, like fuck. Ugh. Like I don't know if I'd ever do a back roll support ever again. <laughs> I was like, nah, I, was I have like, no I fucking Check. need to do this. Got it. Yeah, I did it once. Check. I got a video I somewhere, I probably, maybe. I don't know. Uh, we're going to end with a little conversation about a certain 12 to 15 round workout that was on the blog. I got to go. <laughs> Oh, sure. go so we got a little Operation 21159 update, and then we've got a little programming chat, a little athlete IQ, read the workout kind of chat. Um, yeah, this is uh, so your version. For the people, your yeah. version was twelve rounds, five Split. front squats, one rope climb, thirty double unders, one rope climb. Correct. MFT was fifteen rounds. Yeah. Um, the weight the same. Yes. 135, right? 155. 155. I think Hatchet was 135. I got a blend then. <laughs> I got 155 on the barbell for myself. Um, front squat 155. Why don't you why don't you just girl? why don't you just talk us a little bit through because it, it was it was special for you. Yeah, I mean I think about that workout and you know one of the things I've been trying to focus on this season is understanding how to appropriately pace a cardio workout, which is the stimulus of that workout. Again, the identifying criteria for that is like the sets are small, the focus is on transitioning and keeping your round pace relatively the same, unless let's say it was a cardio interval where, you know, we might ask you to reach a bit, but it was sustain your pace the entire time. And going into that workout, like right on paper, I'm like sick. Uh, time under tension on the front squats, front squats, I don't have great mobility are going to be challenging for me, but I think I can get through five every single time. That's not a concern. One rope climb. I'm pretty tall. Rope climbs are a little bit easier for taller people, so that should be good, but not super efficient there. So that struggled a bit. And then double unders are one of my weaker movements and it shouldn't be, but it is. It's just one of those things. Yeah, it's like, a beefy set. Yeah. I mean, it's 30. It's yeah. pretty challenging. Yeah. It's jump two inches and spin your wrist. It's pretty <laughs> hard. Um, and then you do a rope climb again. Uh, so the instructions again, cardio, try to transition quickly, but try to be consistent. So, you know, you probably heard us say on the podcast that we want you to transition like a maniac and be smooth in your movements in a cardio workout. Well, smooth is relative. And feeling relaxed and calm on any one of those three movements was very challenging for me yeah. yesterday when I did it. So basically all I did was play a game of like yo-yo with my heart rate, like do a movement, heart rate goes to the ceiling. All right, let's be deliberate. My transitions, like not slow, but try to like take my time walking the three or four steps so that I can yeah. keep my heart rate in check. Because again, the game in cardio is staying below your red line the entire time. So you can continue to move. Well, I got about four rounds into the first five rounds set. And I was already like, all right, I started like a 105 pace round. Like it was not a very fast round, but it's like, I can hold this. Then it bled to a 115, then 130, and then like 135. And, you know, I'm doing the math in my head of how much time is left in this workout based on how many rounds are left. And I'm yeah. like, man, I think, I think the limit workout- does not exist. It's like, <laughs> it's like a six, seven, six, 17 round an eight, 12 <laughs> round. It keeps so getting, like, it gets, it's an exponential. I get into <laughs> this it. workout like, will never what? end what is the, I couldn't remember if it was a medium or long duration workout and having looked long, looking yeah. at it for myself, it's <laughs> yeah. a long workout, but like, because I had known I had knocked off three rounds, yeah. I'm like, all right, if that's the case and I can hold 90 second rounds, that's about a, f- you know, an 18 minute workout, which isn't a super fast pace in that workout. Like I think there are plenty of athletes that could pretty close to EMOM that are, you know, maybe even a little bit faster than that, like every 55 seconds or something but they would need to be monsters, that thing. So I just saw myself no. going through that. Well, <laughs> That's I mean, not an EMOM. 
No, no, I know it's not, oh, but I'm yeah. saying they could hold somewhere around a minute, maybe a little minute, 10 for those. And I could quickly see myself drifting yeah. up and up and, you know, basically got to the point where it's like almost like damage control. So I'm going through the workout and saying like, how can I stay moving and what can I do like mentally as tricks to be like, all right, what is the, the thing that's going to allow me to move to the next thing and do it, do the next thing and do it. So I started going through it and being like, all right, do the five front squats, look at the clock, wait like five seconds, walk to the rope after five seconds, which again goes against the point of a cardio workout. But based on the fact that none no, of those doesn't. three movements are really, movements we're going to get there. Our <laughs> movements that I particularly can sure. see a do yeah. as a cardio movement. This was a extremely challenging piece. So, you know, for me, it was, bordering a little bit more on gas than it was on like muscular overload. Cause I didn't really ever feel like my muscles. The reason I was stopping is really just my breathing. So, um, you know, I asked drew for more of that. I said, it, it ate me up. Uh, or so I say chewed me up, spit me out and then shat on me is, shat, the, yeah. is how I described the workout. And it was just because, you know, in a cardio workout, there's often one movement that you can be a little bit more calm and relaxed on. And for a lot of athletes, that's the double unders. It's like, all right, I'm just going to jump in place for 15 seconds and breathe. And for me, that wasn't something I could do very well. So constantly playing the checkup game. So good workout, more of what I need, but uh, a frustrating piece than the least. And, you know, <laughs> you guys came out as I was finishing it. I had just got out of the sauna and I went out the tub and you asked, like, how's the tub today? I was like, I don't care. I was too angry to give a shit how cold the tub was. <laughs> Healed my anger. Like, I was just out there sitting in it, but you know, it's one of those things where you're it's perfectly appropriate to get upset or frustrated in a workout. Like, don't that shit linger. It's not, not worth you know, getting past it. So by the time I was out of the cold tub and teaching, you know, 3 PM class, I didn't care anymore, but it is something that I quickly recognize. Like if something like this came up, I would need to have a better strategy or move more efficiently. So I didn't get caught in it. Yeah. There's a few, a few different things here. I think number one is this idea of perspective within a workout. Like if you're looking at your programming and, and, you know, you're looking at your week in advance and for you, obviously you see that on paper and you know what it is yeah. already on paper. Um, does that fuck with you and you have a negative connotation of the workout or do you look at that and say, this is the single greatest opportunity for me to improve in this entire week. And those two mindsets are thousands and millions of miles apart. And you can tell when it, you? it was like, including the, I had a 30 second rest after five and after four, I think it took me like, it was like a reset. It's like 17 minutes of work. So okay. the clock was like 18, 18 or something like that. So it was yeah. like 17 minutes of work. It, it was longer than in my mind, you know, like that's not, that's another thing that ends up getting me in a little bit of trouble sometimes with the perspective thing is like, I'm pretty good at figuring out the math on like how long things take in a workout like that. And it's like, Five front squats, 10 seconds. Yep. One rope climb, five seconds. 30 double unders, 15 seconds. And then another five seconds for a rope climb. And then you're like, all right, I'll build another 15, 20 seconds of transitions across the entire round. That means the round's a minute 15 or 20. And again, that's idealistic across one round, yep. not multiple rounds. So that does sometimes set me up for trouble because I'm like, all right, quickly realize. When the, the movements are so quick too, all of a sudden the transitions are like become up. If, you know, if it takes five seconds to climb the rope, but five seconds to to come down the rope, walk to your jump rope and start to get it spinning. It's like what proportion of the time is spent working versus yeah. transitioning. And you know, if you were to be able to have a button that started and stop like a chess player, almost like 
He is working. He is resting. He is working. He is resting. I got a pretty good idea that most of that time in that 17 minute clock was probably airing a little bit more on the resting side of things based on the fact that I was really struggling to keep my heart rate down. But, you know, to answer your question a moment ago where you're like, you know, do you see it as an opportunity or you're like, fuck, this sucks. Like I saw that workout and I said, this will be a really challenging cardio workout, but like, fuck, let's see what happens. Because so far for a lot of the season up to this point, like cardio workouts have been relatively going well. Like I've been able to start figuring out like, you know, the chest bar pull up burpee um, shuttle run workout we did. Yep. Like my first round was within like three seconds of my average pace across the entire workout. And I was like, cool, this is a good stimulus. I am hitting the cardio and I'm doing this the way I could. Now would I like to be fitter and get more rounds? Sure, but I worked on what I need to work on there. So yesterday I was like, here we go, Let's see what happens and it, you know, I got a little bit frustrated probably in the last round of the five and then the last two rounds of the four and then the three, I was just like, let's just go. But you know, you should look at those parts of your workouts and be like, all right, here's an opportunity to figure out if I can keep moving when I'm really dog shit tired. Like you're going to be feeling terrible in the opening quarterfinals. Like, but what separates the people who are the best from people who don't necessarily go to the next level is despite how terrible they feel, they just keep doing it keep doing it. And if you add the extra layer of like this fucking blows, like that doesn't help you or propel you to do better in the workout. It actually impairs your ability to do that. So I try to stay as positive as possible. You know, afterwards I wasn't as positive for a little bit, but like yeah. during the workout, I said, what's the fucking point of like belly aching about this or bitching about, you know, I don't like jump rope. I don't like rope climbs. I don't like front squat. It doesn't help me at all. So what's the point? So I've been trying this season as we get closer and closer to the competitive part to push that out of my mind because it's not going to help me at all. Yeah, I want to address the idea of from from the athlete perspective, when you go in and you see your stimulus and your pacing, those are not anecdotes, they're instructions. So if you see that and you know, we say sustained pacing, we want round one and round 15 to be as close in terms of splits as possible. And then you're like, well, you didn't give me any individual cadence movements, then right. we know that, yeah. that we we're adding another movement in and that is your transition and your ability to figure out body language, how long you take, what is your routine? How many steps are you taking? Am I chalking? Am I doing my belt X, Y, and Z? And you get into that sort of robot mode there. That's how you're supposed to see these kinds of workouts. We are not expecting you to Kool-Aid man every single workout. It's not smart. It doesn't teach you, you know, in the same way that all these other things can. So we're looking for this, you figuring out how it is possible to get round one and round 15 to be similar. Gas stimulus, we want you to find that line and go over it basically on purpose. Now that's within reason, right? When it's a gas stimulus, we want you to go out there. We want you to push. We want you to find your threshold. And that's more in terms of your physiology. We want you to find your threshold within movements and muscle endurance. You go into a piece, we're either running interference with two separate movements, or we're saying you got 80 toes to bar to do. Congratulations. Figure out the best way to do that. Um, there's, there's really, you know, you're making an omelet. You're going to break some, some eggs to, to figure out how these things work. So I just think it's really important for athletes. And there's, there's another step to this athlete IQ when it comes to this workout that seems to be plaguing certain people within certain workouts. But it's just really important that those are, yes, we use them for programming, but that shouldn't matter that much to the athlete. It's an instruction for how you should see the workout and how you should attack the workout, even if you have to audible 
two rounds in, nine rounds in, 14 rounds in, whatever it is. I mean, I try to then think about what I did today, which was the five minute AMRAP of shoulder overhead and bar facing burpee. For me, that was split into three minutes and two minutes, with 90 seconds in between and gas versus cardio. I'm like, fuck, I have to go pretty hard, but it's also five minutes. Don't make the mistake of sprinting the first 90 seconds and getting, you know, six rounds and then getting four rounds in the remaining three and a half minutes. So, you know, you have to have those, those gears. And I think what you just described is a really important thing that athletes have to realize that like every single workout you do, you don't need to turn into a gas workout. Like you have to know when it's appropriate. And that's again, why we get those descriptions there. So you can kind of figure out like, what is the gear in the car you need to be in because they're not always supposed to be in sixth gear. Sometimes it's third, sometimes it's fourth. And I think that if you have enough variance in your program, you have the opportunity to practice all of these and get good at them. Yeah. And when you're brand new, you know, we've talked about how machines are a great way to kind of practice those gears devoid of skill. And then once you've kind of built up those, those engines so that you can be in each one of those gears, then it's time to practice your sport and see how that, you know, plays out when you have to do a skilled movement, like a push jerk or a muscle up or you know whatever's coming up on the programming. I think the, that specific workout's a good, like, reminder i do think we get uh, we'll get occasionally carried away with saying like cardio workouts are all about your transitions or or trying to especially stay, this time like, of really year fast yeah and it's a, that is true but in this regard it's a more like you have to as the athlete kind of pay attention to the movements as well and like we were saying so all three of those movements are like you are either under tension working or you're done with them or you're transitioning, right? With the small sets, it's like you're not like a bar facing burpee. You can just slow that movement down to catch your breath and you 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 right. almost you cut out transition time because you're moving slowly on that movement. But when you have movements that are like five front squats that are going to take the same amount of time almost no matter what and it's consistent time under tension no matter what same with the rope climb and same with the jump rope unless you're deciding to do like two sets of 15 on the jump rope strategically um you're you're constantly under tension meaning like you have to find what is the minimum amount of time i need to rest in order to sustain this pace rather than rather than just it's like it's gonna feel I need slow to, at the beginning right too. that's is, another true. part of that that ego is just gonna be chirping in your ear like what are you doing is this even worth it yep yeah, and when I got in that first round, I looked at the clock to like make sure I wasn't doing the, you know the belligerent pace that we talk about. You know, one thing we try to educate athletes, the affiliates, like talking about the workout Hunter did last night and sprint at the first ten calories of the eighteen minute workout. Like, you know, we try to set you up for success with being like, hey, don't be belligerent with that. Understand what the pace is. So I've been trying to do that intentionally because in Metcons usually show up, blow up. Did it still too fast and then learn from it. Like you learn that you can't sustain a minute fifteen round. And you learn from that. You try to recalibrate in the workout. And for me, like it continued to bleed a little bit longer and a little longer, but it's just one. That was intentional. I wasn't trying to be an asshole. No, it was I just know, funny. I mean, it was just hilarious that you were just like, don't come out like an asshole. Just hold the same pace. And wee, I was like, wee. <laughs> everyone, like everyone snapped their head as soon as they heard your bike. I know. Over to you. Like, what the fuck is that idiot doing? I'm trying to beat everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter. Um, it's not a coincidence that this is the second workout of this style recently that we're breaking down. And that's the other part of this athlete IQ conversation is uh, I would learn how to multiply um, moving forward. We've got so convert seconds so, to so decimals, asked, decimals back to seconds. Yeah. Like that's too much, too far, too far. Um, the last one was ski, deadlift, chest to bar, bar muscle up. 
it was a lot of rounds. It was a very long time. And if you go in and look at it, you can like figure ago, out, right? yeah, you can yeah. figure out how much you have to ski, how many deadlifts at a, at a heavy weight, how many chest bar, how many bar muscle ups, like you really, really should just do quick math on total volume with workouts. Um, now what was funny is I put this, so I believe Luca was competing. So I put this or the, um, the ski piece in on a later day just to be like, heard this one was good. Like, let me know how it goes for you. Now he came back with the good athlete IQ response of like, I just didn't ski that hard Mm -hmm. and I didn't, you know, blow up in the workout. That's what I'm supposed to do today. On the other hand, just to make sure that everyone feels relatable. It was, um, he said a bunch of stuff about it, tried to keep consistent pace and not stand around still harder than expected. But later I was like, what was I expecting? When you do the math, it's 75 front squats, 30 rope climbs and 450 double unders. So just taking that, cause that's what I said to you yesterday. Yeah. You were like, man, I really, you had an expectation of that really being a traditional merry-go-round workout. I was hoping to try to do like, that. And 24 I, rope climbs. And it was not. <laughs> yeah. 24 rope climbs is, you know, when you get into that territory, it's a thing. So it's just important to understand you have your pacing instructions, but also knowing, you know, especially from the athlete perspective, what is the total volume? Like when we're programming, you guys are almost always putting down in the bottom of the cell. How many is this? What's the total time we're thinking on that sort of thing. And one resource that I'm working on right now, more to coach other coaches, but could be helpful for competitors is that the the cadence of the movements and literally having either a calculator or at least just a, a list, a matrix that says 10 bars, bar muscle ups takes 30 seconds or yep. something like that. Um, that can be really helpful for people because let's say you have that list and your athlete, I, you know, super fit, but your athlete IQ is low 75, 30 and 450. Like, eh, Right. I like to then or turn worse, that into you look time. at it and be like, oh, this isn't so bad. It's five, one, <laughs> yeah, exactly. 30 and one. Yeah. It's like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like times 15. <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. Even 15. It's like, yeah, like that's not that many. It's Knowing like, these numbers is like you're in training and then Jedi is like time, like actual time working spent in these because there will be workouts where it looks like it's one thing again, just based on the round. And then you do the math, whether it's the open semifinals games, and it's like you're spending 75% of your time on this movement. We really need to know what that means in terms of time under tension, interference from other movements, all of that. That and those workouts sometimes are even hard. Like a lot of times the cardio workouts are the easiest one to predict rounds and reps just because of like like this movement takes that long that takes that long and a lot of times there's simpler movements where where there's going to be less variance in how long it takes people to do but in a workout like that where it's like the the time the working time is so short which means the transition time and like the rest time between is proportionally like significant you get someone who's like they rest one second longer you know one or two seconds longer across every single transition, all of a sudden they're two or three minutes slower than somebody else because just because of the number of times those transitions occur and the fact that they obviously add up. True. A lot. Lots to learn. Still doing it. I mean, 12, 12 plus years into it, like still figuring this stuff out. So you're like, fuck, where do I even start? Just start with what you just guys said, you know, do a workout, add, do the math to figure out how long one round would take or how much total volumes in the workout. And that's how you get started in this stuff. Like don't make it harder than it has to be. And again, I do think that resource will be really helpful for athletes, but you know, 
if an athlete isn't sure, the best way to do it is to practice one round, time it out and be like, all right, how much of that round was spent doing this movement? How much of that round was doing this movement? How long did the transition take? And then quickly before you know it, you can start to do these things and have a better perspective on like, am I in sixth gear or I'm in second gear, depending on you know what the workout is. And if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't know what the fuck you just said, little kid, quarterfinals prep camp, this will be broken out every single time we exercise. What yeah. is, or if we don't tell you what it is, that will be on purpose so you can maybe fail and then we'll go over it after. But yeah. we'll go over all of this stuff at camp for each individual workout just to talk about the different styles of workouts, you know, determining total volume, even if it is an AMRAP, you know, how, if it's an AMRAP, how am I supposed, I don't know. I don't know how many rounds I'm going to get. It's impossible. You never know. help you. Yeah. Get you pretty close. <clears throat> Final thoughts. Final thoughts. I'm sad. You all, I don't have a good food snack story. Like I'll have to think of something better for next week. I'm disappointed in myself. That I didn't have a good, oh, you're disappointed in yourself. Yeah, I I you were disappointed, really disappointed in the listeners. No, 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 like... no. Myself. <laughs> I don't have a good snack story. So I'll try to think of something for next week. So I actually can bring something to the table when it comes to interesting snacks. Why don't you just go back to drinking way too much milk and not logging it on your, uh, <laughs> what is five gallons a week too many? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Anabolic. Final thoughts. Wayne Gretzky is the greatest hockey player of all time, but he would not succeed in today's NHL. I hope he's watching. <laughs> he's coming out of retirement. He's coming he probably play. would. He's coming to your men's league. He's he might, he might still the be the smartest player in the NHL, but... Man, I don't agree with that either. Just... Might not be. Have you, they wouldn't you have watched, let have him not hit a the, couple of squats the Connor Bedard highlights. The kid who's going to be drafted next year, number one now overall. Gen, another generational talent. He's a is he better than the guy on the Oilers. McDavid. The I mean, we won't know until he sure. plays in the show. But is McDavid the best, still he, the best player in the NHL. Yeah, yeah, I think you could argue a couple other players, but yeah. he's by. I love their sunflower seeds. So <laughs> who the fuck is McDavid? He's so fast, McDavid. It is weird seeds. taking time, like because I basically watch. I used to watch the Bruins like throughout the regular season and the postseason. Yeah. Now it's like if they're playing the Habs or postseason, like it's it's rare that I watch. So when they're making a big deal out of some child that I've never heard of, it makes no sense. It makes me feel old as fuck. It's insane. I am old. <laughs> I got I some old. really good final thoughts. Misfit.camp for quarterfinals <laughs> prep camp, March 4th and 5th. Show up on the third, do 23.3 with the crew. Um, take a chance. You'll understand why this isn't just, uh, you know, why don't you give us some money and, and show up and you'll you'll have a pretty pretty special weekend. Looking forward to it. Did we do it? We did it. Done. All right, ladies and gents, thank you for tuning into another episode of the Misfit Podcast and thank you to our show sponsors. You can head to sharpentheaxeco.com for some brand new swag. We got shorts, we got hoodies, we got t-shirts. Wednesday. This is, this, <laughs> this is, I, I am on Monday. I am, <laughs> I am Monday. Wednesday is the ninth, Ted? Eighth. Or the eighth? Eighth. The eighth. The return. The Ocho. Of the Little by Little collection. Sharpentheaxeco.com. Use your favorite athlete code. You save money on your order and you help them with their 2023 CrossFit Games season. See you next week. Watch out.